0: Hi everyone, welcome to the second series of the Log on Mind podcast. We've rushed this one through a bit to give you some content during these tricky times. In the first episode, we spoke to author, journalist and political aide Alistair Campbell. In it, we talked about his experiences of depression whilst in Downing Street, mental health in the media and much, much more. If you enjoyed the episode, please give us a rating and a review on iTunes. well um so just to start with what's your what's your kind of personal relationship with mental health
1: uh right mental health (laughs) or mental illness um well let's start with mental health first i'd say my relationship i don't think i don't think i've been conscious of mental health in a kind of positive way um probably until you know quite late on really because my My first experience of, my first personal experience of serious mental ill health, which I think is when I first started to think about mental health, was when my brother was diagnosed with schizophrenia, um, when I was in my late teens and he was in his early 20s. And that's when I became, you know, really sort of very closely conscious in my own kind of circle of the fact that there were people who were broadly mentally well and people who were broadly mentally ill. Um, Until then, apart from a kind of couple of incidents involving people that I kind of vaguely knew or witnessed, um, I was, I guess, fairly sheltered from it. Um, And then I became aware of issues myself. Um, Probably, first of all, I think starting to worry that I might have had an alcohol dependency issue. And then I had a breakdown in the 80s and then subsequently realised that I was getting depression quite regularly. Um, so that's it in a nutshell.
0: So did when you first kind of came into contact with it, with your brother, did you do you think you understood it or do you think you could sympathise with it or was it something that was fairly alien?
1: Uh, I think I could sympathise with it, um, but it was also Alien um In that, it was, you know, in fact, funny. I've just been writing a book about depression, and I tell the story about the impact that Donald Brothers' diagnosis had on me. It was a sort of really one of those kind of defining moments in your life. And you no, know, I was very, very sympathetic, and but it was also alien. In that, it, he just wasn't—he wasn't the same person as he was the day before. Yeah. Um. And then also he was in this military psychiatric hospital where, um, you know, it was a very kind of, it was quite a strange environment for somebody like me. It was military and it was medical. Um, and there he was in a very, very bad way. And so, um, yeah, I, I think alien is uh, maybe too strong, but it was certainly incredibly sort of dislocating.
0: Yeah. that I think that kind of rings true for a lot of people. Um, and, and you say you kind of started to realise you had a problem in the in the late eighties, did you say?
1: I had a breakdown in the eighties. Okay, and, um, I sorry. think I started to think I had a. I think when I was at university, I started to. I mean, I was drinking very, very heavily, and I thought, you know, most days I was waking up thinking this isn't really good, um, but then still doing it, and then, and also I was I was very high functioning. I mean, you know, I got a degree, I went, to, I sort of did a few kind of fairly interesting sort of you know the sort of jobs you do when you don't know what the hell you're going to do with your life and then I became a journalist and I was I was trained as a journalist I was you know quite successful quite quickly um so it didn't really worry me in the way that maybe it should have done it was I could tell it was worrying other people close to me but didn't worry me and then the breakdown was a kind of it was a catalyst for recovery really it was uh it was, it was a time which I, re- I really had to kind of look deep into myself and start to think, you know, you've really got to sort yourself out, otherwise you're in big trouble. Um, and I did, and I, and I really did kind of rebuild myself. Um, but then the depressions kept coming. Um, so I realised there was a sort of, you know, it wasn't just about alcohol. There was something deeper going on.
0: Yeah, from, from what I've read around um, about your depression, it seems to come in, um, I don't know if would be right to say, but bouts. Whereas yeah. my, my experience of it was kind of one um one kind of prolonged event. Um right. it was very kind of situational and circumstantial. Whereas yours appears to be um it comes in phases.
1: Yeah, that's right. And I mean you know, touch wood I've been reasonably free of it for well not free of it, I still have little bounce, but I've not had a really big one for maybe like maybe where are we now? Um Probably late last year. I, you know, it's really interesting about this. I, I don't know about you, but I I don't I don't have a great memory for my depressions. No, um, maybe that's a good thing. I think it's like women when they have children. If you if you remember it, you'd never do it again. Yeah. And uh, I think with the depressions, it's so like even then trying. I'm just sitting here now trying to remember the last time it was really bad, and I, I honestly can't remember. Um, I can remember the last really, really, really bad one. Uh, which was over a year ago now Um, but yeah it comes in bouts, and sometimes they're short you know sometimes they're like quite short and other times it's you know they they might drag on for a bit
0: have you ever been able to pinpoint what kind of brings them on or is it just completely no I
1: haven't really I mean I've been able to I think I've been able to rationalize them in a way that I can sort of I can give myself reasons why I think they might have done, but no, I couldn't say it's a certain memory or it's a certain trigger um, or it's a certain uh, environment. Um, there's nothing I could say, right, every time I do that or every time that gets done to me, it's going to trigger it. it, it I've never found the, what that is. It, it, it feels almost random to me. There was a time in my life when, I actually thought it was menstrual okay uh, it was like it sort of seemed to come around roughly the same time in the month but then when I actually sat down and worked tried to work that out in detail it was it was um it was nonsense okay
0: um, and so that was cyclical
1: like- I think maybe it was cyclical though it came in cycles it was like and it wasn't necessarily always the same time but it was the same kind of you know i'd I'd go through certain things like certain pressures certain activities and then at the end of it i find the trigger point for the start of holidays is always a trigger point for me
0: i think that's quite a a common thing um, yeah because it kind of you you switch you start to switch off and then suddenly you realize actually how stressed or under pressure you've
1: been Mm, mm. and i think also it's that thing about you know you're looking forward to something um, and then when it starts you because you can't unwind and you're still kind of your mind is in a different place and it's meant to, you know everybody's meant to be having a great time and but are they and then you start to you know you start to feel like you're just not part of the part of the family and you you're getting a bit kind of edgy about that and then before you know it, you're really spiraling I mean one two or three of my worst depressions have actually kicked off on holiday
0: oh, That's um, really.
1: And it's hard for your family is that because they think, you know, God, yeah. he seems all right at work and he comes out with us and, it's, and <laughs> you know, I've really worked at that. I mean, I've now kind of, I've got that kind of pretty much sorted out. Yeah,
0: think. I can I can point to a kind of similar thing. The, the first kind of Christmas when I was really not very good. Mm. I was kind of, I, I kind of sat there thinking, like, I know I'm meant to be enjoying this. I know this is meant to be the best day of the year, but it's not. And then you put that more pressure on yourself. Like, why am I feeling like this when I should be, feeling the most happy
1: you know that 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 meant to be phrase is so important um i've never enjoyed weddings now i don't know why i've never got married but i've never i've I've been to some weddings where i've had i've enjoyed about i don't like the anticipation i don't like the fuss i don't like all the blah that goes on with it but the main thing i don't like is the fact that you're meant to be having a really good time
0: yeah
1: and christmas does that for me the only thing where I I can get into in lockstep with other people who are meant to be having a good time at the same time is football. Okay, you know, at football matches I can get into it. Whereas if I go to even concerts, you know, if I go to a like you know sort of, I love music, but I you know I never got into that going to sort of you know pop concerts, rock concerts and kind of getting, really getting down with the crowd. I never did that because I just thought I'm not going to do it just because you're meant to be enjoying it. I want to kind of go and listen to the music and if I enjoy it, I'll get into it. And if I don't, I won't.
0: Yeah, that's, that's really interesting. I think I'm a big sports fan as well. Um, and I think maybe something to do with, you don't know the end result around um, a football match or if you go and watch cricket, but you kind of do with, it it's, it's not within your control, I suppose. Um, yeah maybe maybe but yeah you yeah
1: that, but yeah maybe it's that maybe it's like you've got because i think there is something about when you go like to a wedding or a, a party that you don't particularly want to go to but you're sort of getting dragged along um you want to be able to control your own environment but you can't and also i quite enjoy conversations like this right but i really don't enjoy small talk conversations i don't enjoy you know at the moment where if, if there's a group of people, I know we're not sort of having groups of people at the moment. If you had a group of people, and like everybody would be having the same conversation, raising the same thing about coronavirus, that stuff gets does my head in. Um, and and that's part of this meant to be thing as well. Well, you're meant to be having those conversations because everybody's talking about it. But actually, I've been talking about it all day, and I don't want to talk about it when I go out. And, and <laughs> yeah. so I think it's that sense of trying to keep keep your own detachment really
0: yeah and actually touching on on football what is do you can you see the power of um something like football in particular to to help people with their mental health because there's some really good initiatives i'm a i'm a newcastle fan right and they've got an unbelievable foundation that does specifically work around mental health but mm-hmm. football clubs seem to have i don't know especially actually recently and i've noticed it a lot in the last week or so they seem to have a real focus on doing stuff for the community. And a lot of them that are centered around men's mental health. Cause it's just such cool. a, a yeah. an easy way to get men.
1: Well, interested. I did a, I did a thing with, um, with mine. Was it two years ago now? And I think they're still there. The, the, the mine logo is on every yeah. EFL, EFL shirt. And I launched that with um, with Mind um It was Aston Villa. And um, I think that, yeah, I think most. I think the clubs are getting better. Burnley's been got terrific sort of community stuff going on, uh, much better than Newcastle. I think. <laughs> uh, and we should have beaten you when it was. I went to the game at St James's Park and it was nil nil, which we we're, we're definitely were the better team. Yeah, I think uh, that's happening. I, I can see them. The, yes, I can. I mean, I get an awful lot out of Burnley, um, and it's not just about the football. It's about it's about the, it's having something, there's always something to look forward to, yeah. whether it's a match, whether it's the next season, whether it's a transfer. I'm also incredibly blessed in that I've, you know, I've am I'm i I've become very friendly with a lot of people at the club at yeah. the moment. I mean, I speak, I'm, I'm speaking to Sean Dyche this morning. I speak regularly to the manager, uh, know some of the players really, really well. Um, you know, and that sort of gives you this kind of slightly... I feel, I feel blessed in that. And also I've, I've become very friendly with some of the players that I watched when I was a kid. Mm. Um, and I think what it is, so it gives me that sense of sort of, it's a track through your life. That's the first mm. thing. Uh, some of my earliest memories of, of football. I think the other thing is it's, it's uh, you know, my two sons who are both big football fans, they know so much about the geography of Britain because they've yeah. received so many away games. And, you know, I think it gives you that sense of, There's a guy called uh, Nigel Blackburn who comes from Dover. And it's a very unfortunate name for a Burnley fan, but there (laughs) we are. And I have been seeing him at football matches around Britain all my life.
0: Yeah.
1: And we have the same conversations and we have the, you know, and it's just that sense of sort of belonging to something that is part of your daily life, but it's also separate from it. And then, of course, the thing about, the thing about the game itself, and you know, let's be honest, you from Newcastle, I mean, sometimes <laughs> football is awful, right? Sometimes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but but when it's great, it's just fantastic. And you know, it's so yeah. I get a lot out of football, and 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 I, and I think that the other sports, by the way, you mentioned cricket, cricket and rugby league have been very good on mental health. Uh,
0: yeah, I, I'm um, rugby league seems to be really pushing. I think cricket. I I notice more because like, I play a lot of cricket and follow cricket. I don't really follow rugby league apart yeah. from that. I know that it's, it's good on mental health.
1: Um, that's, that includes by the way, there's some great stuff on mental health that the rugby league clubs do in Australia as well. They've got, so I, I don't know what it is about rugby league because that is like, you know, that's as rough and tough and manly as it gets in sport. And yet they've, they've, they've sort of led the way in taking mental health seriously, I think.
0: Yeah. And seeing as we're talking about sport, that's, at the moment we're talking during the kind of uh COVID-19 times and mm. there's not um I think for a lot of people they're struggling because their routine is based around you know going to Burnley and watching football um yeah. watching it on tv how how have you been finding um isolation has been for your own mental health
1: um it's been quite interesting actually I've, I've I mean I did a blog the other day um I don't know if you saw it, I did 20, yeah. 20 Tips to Guard Against Depression and Anxiety in the era of self-isolation. And I think in a funny sort of way, somebody sent me an email yesterday saying that what's going on at the moment, she actually has um, schizophrenia, but she said this is an incredible leveller. Everybody's anxious at the moment, yeah. uh, not just people who are badly ill. Yeah. And so I, I think that um, I've found it maybe easier than I thought it would um than i thought i would i've been writing i mean i always write a lot anyway one of my tips was thinking ink and i do write all the time i'm writing all the time different things even whether it's a blog or a, a letter or a uh, an argument or a strategy or actually I'm, I'm also working on a couple of books so writing is very important to me in terms of you know decluttering my brain um i'm finding I'm. I'm just. Try, I'm trying to just sort of keep very energetic. Um, I'm still doing exercise every day. I think that's incredibly important if you're feeling a bit edgy. Um, so I'm. I'm. I t- the one thing that I've noticed that has really changed. It's completely playing havoc with my sleep.
0: I found that t- I tend to go to bed a lot earlier and then kind of wake up in the middle of the night.
1: Well, I, because... I'll t- I've I've developed a pattern at the moment. This partly again goes because you're not going out in the evening, so. Have dinner, sit down, start to watch a film, fall asleep at quarter past nine, wake wake up at quarter to ten, go to bed. I'm in bed by ten at the moment, regularly, and I'm awake by three and I cannot get back to sleep. (laughs) Um, So that's the only sort of change I've noticed, really. I feel very not depressed. Um, I'm probably less anxious than most of the people that I meet and speak to
0: yeah, yeah. That's, that's interesting um
1: i think and and, and and also i have been the other blogger wrote this week was about the kind of you know trying to see the positives in this and or at least you know try and look on the bright side and i mean these are all related really but um my asthma has improved i get quite bad asthma sometimes and that's improved i think because of the lack of pollution the falling pollution i don't know if you've noticed this but the birds. I know we're in sort of in spring now, and maybe this is just happening anyway. But I don't think I've ever noticed song as much as I have in the last few days. Yeah,
0: I've. I'm. I'm quite lucky that I'm. I'm staying in my uh, granddad's old house, and I could. He's got a reasonably nice garden, and I went out in it the other day just to kind of hit a golf ball around. And where I live, there are hundreds of uh, red kites. Okay. I Saw like four red kites just circling above me. And out of nowhere, this deer just ran almost straight past me and jumped over the fence. And it was kind of one of those moments where you just pinch yourself and think, like, what has just happened? Like, yeah, it was brilliant. Yeah. Like, it, I, I well, find...
1: we, we were. We were... The other thing I've been doing is I've become slightly obsessed by trees recently. And I've been posting these pictures every day of my tree of the day. And we were... We were Fiona and I were walking on Hampstead Heath the other day, and we came across this... We just heard these parakeets... And looked up, and it was just the most. Um, I filmed it. I put this on my social media. This, it was like it was the day when the sort of big social distancing thing was happening. Yeah, and it was just, it just incredible to watch these two birds. Are they the, the green ones that are around? Yeah, yeah. yeah they, they flew towards each other and sort of kissed, <laughs> and, then, <laughs> and then they sort of went away. Then they came back, and it was just sort of, I don't know. There was something sort of mesmeric about hearing them and watching them, and. So I think you've got to, that whole sort of nature thing and I think listening to music and reading more, I think people are sort of trying to get some positives out of this.
0: Yeah, definitely. I've Yeah, I've tried to do a couple of things, but brushing up on um, on languages, on, on kind of apps and things has been quite yeah. helpful for me. Um, and to kind of move on to less jolly stuff, I suppose, How how do you feel... How did you deal with, when you did have low periods, how did you deal with that when you were kind of working in government and when you were kind of very much in the public eye? Not that you're not now. <laughs>
1: um, how did I deal with it?
0: Um, or was it ever a barrier to you, I suppose, taking a job or...? Um,
1: no, I think when, when Tony Blair asked, first asked me to do the job, I did think about it long and hard, I mean, like a month to decide and and one of the it fa- wasn't the only factor but a, quite a big factor was you know is will I crack up again will I have another breakdown I didn't want I didn't want that to happen and, and also from a kind of you know uh alt- more altruistic perspective as it were if that happened would I then be damaging a project that I wanted to help hmm. um, and I did have some really really bad spells in fact I was quite shocked when I was transcribing my diaries how often even if i wasn't articulate i quite i quite often did say woke up felt like shit yeah. woke up felt really depressed but actually i can just tell from the way that i'm writing that there were these periods where i'm really depressed for you know in quite a serious way now i think the when you say how did i cope with it i think in the main particularly early on, I just did, I just sort of ploughed on, I ploughed on, I I wouldn't admit I had a problem to anybody, including myself, and then I think latterly I became better at recognising it, and just, you know, adapting within my own mind really, so maybe trying to have more rest, trying not to um, get myself so stressed out, and but it's very, very difficult, you know, I mean, it's like I was thinking about, you know, you look at the, the government at the moment dealing with this pandemic. Um, guaranteed, absolutely guaranteed that one of the key, one or more of the key people are handling this will currently be having depression just because of just the law of averages. Mm. Um, and it's hard, you know, what it's like when you're, <clears throat> you know, you need really high energy to deal with the. The time you have to commit, with the number of meetings you've got to have, with the number of phone calls you have got to make, the number of difficult conversations you've got to have, and the, the amount of stuff you've got to read—it's like you know, it's full on. And the people you've got to manage, and you know, in a case like this, you know, look after—it's really, really hard. And and um, you know, I think the, I think of all the crises that we had, um, I think I, I think I mean I can remember during the foot and mouth epidemic i was actually quite depressed not because of the foot and mouth i I just was quite depressed Mm. and it's sort of it's like you know you know it's like it's like run it if you go for a run and you run normally yeah it is is just about getting through it and then but later on i became much better at telling people so i would tell my pa i would tell my number two um i would tell obviously uh, Fiona, because in the early days I didn't tell Fiona at all, I was just sort of pretending there was nothing wrong, mm. and that was a real problem as well. Do you um, think
0: politics has kind of got it's, it's quite hard to tell because it I don't know if it's if it rings true, but it feels a lot more adversarial now. Um, and do you think it's got i got better at talking about mental health purely because bit, that's that's the way that society's gone?
1: Well, society's way ahead of politics that, yeah. I, think. Uh, I think politics has been part of it I mean there have been some good initiatives and you know the government supports the Time to Change campaign with you know considerable support I hope it stays um, but you know there was a debate a couple of years, two, three years ago now and there was a debate about mental health and four MPs talked about their own personal experience people were going, isn't it amazing MPs are talking about their own mental health problems it's four out of 650
0: mm.
1: you know and, and I, mean, I've got, I often say, if I get asked to, um, you know, another panel where it's me, Ruby Wax, Stephen Fry, and Frank Bruno that are trying to get, you know, there's not that many of us who can kind of do this stuff. Um, and so I think that, and also the other thing I say is about politics. It is a bit of a kind of laboratory for poor mental health.
0: Yeah.
1: You know, lot um, long hours. Money's not that great. I don't care what people say. The money's not that you're not going to get rich by becoming an MP.
0: Lots of travel, I suppose, if you're an MP. Well, separation from family or something like that.
1: Um, Most people think they could do their job better than you do. (laughs) Uh, Most your constituents think you ought to be able to solve any problem that they have (laughs) and do it right now. Um, And you get an awful and particularly now you get an awful lot of abuse. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I don't think it's a great job. Is that something
0: you get? a fair amount of, and, and does it have an impact on your,
1: on your mental <clears throat> No, No, I, I mean, I don't think it does, is the honest answer. Mm. Um, I try to, I try to, I, I mean, the stuff that is just kind of straightforward abuse.
0: Yeah.
1: I really don't care. I mean, if somebody really wants to, look, and I can give it out as well. I mean, I, you know, I'm pretty robust at giving it out, <laughs> but I like to hope that there's usually a critical point to it. Um, but no, the people who just sort of—you know—every day I get war criminal, mass murderer, blood—I get that every single day. Yeah. On social media. Um, and it, honestly, if you let it get to you, you just—you wouldn't get out of bed in the morning. Yeah. Um, so you can't let it get to you, and 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 also it doesn't. It, it, it's I, I, and I, and I think this is about you know, it's recognizing your own values and your own priorities. If I thought that my kids thought I was a war criminal. That would really upset me. Yeah. If I thought my if I ever thought my mum thought I was a liar, that would upset me. Yeah. But if I thought that Fiona thought I was you know some of these things that the press occasionally have said I am, or these bots on social media do, I, that would upset me. So I think that you know if you get your if you get them thinking you're okay, then you're you're basically okay. Yeah. Yeah,
0: that makes a lot of sense. Um,
1: so I really don't. I, I genuinely don't care. And and I think that's. You've got to be careful though, because sometimes, of course, people can criticise you, and actually, they'll they'll have a point. Yeah. And if you just say no, I'm not going to listen to any of them. So I, I do, I do take, I do listen to some of the criticisms people make. Yeah, and that's. I, I'll give you a very good example today. Um, I put something out on Twitter. Um, when was it today or Yesterday, I put something out on Twitter. Um, because and it's a classic thing where the person who said it what I was retweeting was saying basically what I think. And then somebody said to me, Do you realise that guy's a vaccine <laughs> an anti vaxxer? <laughs> right. So why why are you suddenly citing him as a great expert on epidemiology? I thought, oh interesting. So I said and actually the guy who said that was one of my regular, regular abusers. Okay right and I so I said thanks for pointing that out I didn't realize I'll delete the tweet took him back took him back a bit I think
0: so you kind of mentioned it there that you do have to kind of um I suppose you know look at things kind of challenge your own kind of perspectives on things and has that I, I read your GQ column sometimes and you've been able to interview people like people that you have disagreed with so someone like George Osborne or um I suppose, to a certain extent, someone like John MacDonald. Is it important for you that you are able to have those conversations and disagree with people, but do it kind of, I suppose, reasonably courteously and actually, yeah, you know, I mean, listen, listen
1: to them? I, I don't mind swearing. I don't mind rough argument. Uh, I really, you know, I can put the boot in. Um, but I think that, you know, when I was a journalist on The Mirror, I got very friendly with quite a lot of Tories, and and it wasn't because you know they knew where I came from, but I think they felt at least I wasn't sort of I wasn't going to make stories up about them. I wasn't going to, if they said something, I wasn't going to then go and say no, actually they said something else. Um, so I was very friendly with Alan Clark. There was a period when I was very friendly with David Davis. I was very friendly with Nick Soames. Um, you know, I, I had people in in the government when there was thatcher was prime minister that, you know, I was quite, I wouldn't say close to, I wouldn't have gone on holiday with them, but I was, you know, certainly Tristan Gerald Jones, who died this week. I, uh, regularly used to sort of talk to him and it was on a very, very, very friendly basis. Mm. Um, and I think things like the, I was pleased with the interview with John McDonald because he and I had, had a really big fallout a few years ago on question time. And we nearly came to blows afterwards. And of course, you know getting expelled from the party and all that sort of mm-hmm. thing which i think was ridiculous but on the other hand you know that was his wing of the party as it were that was sort of celebrating it so yeah i think you should be able to i, I interviewed john burko recently for gq and he said that we've lost the art of disagreeing agreeably and i think he's right about that
0: yeah definitely and the kind of last thing i wanted to ask was about you said you you worked at the mirror and things and, and you been involved with journalism for quite a long time how do you think do you think the way that that mental health is portrayed in the media is changing you know i was just reading back on it was kind of a bit before my time but the stuff the sun wrote about frank Br- bruno mm. on the front page Do you think
1: oh, it's bruno locked up
0: yeah do you think that's do you think that's actually changed or do you think a lot of newspapers kind of like to pay lip service to it until another celebrity has some kind of illness and then and then it's all fair game again
1: no i think it has changed um no it's still not in my view where it should be but it's definitely changed uh and actually that bonkers bruno locked up front page was a bit of a turning point because i don't know if you remember but they it was in the days when news used to hold the front pages up i don't know if they still do, and. Um, it said bonkers Bruno locked up and there was such an immediate outcry that they changed it related to later editions. It was sad Frank in hospital.
0: Okay. I never actually
1: realized that. Yeah. Yeah. So they knew, um, and you still get stuff. You still get the ones that really get my go to the ones who sort of say that, you know, the basic depressions like a lifestyle choice. And,
0: mm. you know, you've got to have a
1: mental illness these days. Otherwise you're not really a kind of proper, that stuff really gets on my wick. Um, and I think recently the whole thing about I think the Caroline Flack um, situation, I think a lot of that was there was some really really cruel stuff um, in the media. So it's definitely not it's far from perfect, but I think that and I, I've got to say we talked about some of the, the grief and the abuse that I get. I mean, I I've um, had all sorts of grief and abuse for all sorts of different issues, most of them political, but i found the media broadly incredibly supportive on the mental health agenda.
0: That's really good. Mm. Yeah, just to, just to wrap things up, we always ask what you do personally to safeguard your own mental health or to look after yourself.
1: Um, I try and stay fit. Yeah. Um, I try and sleep. I try to eat well, as in healthily. Yeah. Uh, I exercise every day. I keep busy. Uh, I have to keep busy, obviously, to sort of, you know, well, at the moment I'm making no money, but that's in common <laughs> with quite a lot of people. Uh, but, you know, to just keep have a nice life. But also I need to work, and I, I need to have meaningful activity yeah. as well that's kind of, you know, what I call changing the world. Um, I think friendship's incredibly important to me. Uh, I've actually, been, I've, I've lost a lot of friends in terms of death. But um, I've never had a lot of close friends. I've always had a few very, very, very close friends. Um, and family. I think family. And fr- I think family and friendships are probably the two most important things.
0: Yeah, that's really cool. And where can we find out more about the work that you do? Um, the upcoming book, especially.
1: Well, the book I've got a decision to make because it's due out on May oh, the fourteenth. Yeah. And I don't know. I, don't, I think I'm moving towards got to decide this weekend really but I think it feels really it's called Better to Live and I think to have Better to Live at a time when the news yeah. every night is about you know these poor people are dying prematurely is uh, yeah. but, but the reason I want to I mean I, part of me thinks well how can you possibly bring out a book about depression right now when the world is so depressed but another part of me thinks actually you know th- there couldn't be a better time for no. people to think about some of the issues that that are really kind of bringing it home now but i think i think i'm probably going to um postpone it but it's called better to live um you can find out most of the stuff i do on my website yeah. and the main mental health stuff that i do is time to change mind rethink and i'm a patron of the Maitre, uh, sanctuary for the suicidal brilliant
0: Alistair, that's been absolutely fascinating thank you so much brilliant really hope you enjoyed the episode. Although the things Alistair and I talked about we may find helpful, if you're struggling with your mental health, please speak to a medical professional or call an organisation like Samaritans on 16-123.